0: I'm not going to mention his t-shirt. Do you want me to take that? I purposefully didn't wear the black and white stripy one this morning because last time I got um, comments. <laughs> um, let me put that somewhere. Yes. <laughs> I'm wandering around aimlessly on the stage this morning. And um, So welcome to King's Hastings again. My name's Paul. I'm one of the pastors here. And um, I get the privilege and honor of speaking at that slot in between Christmas and New Year. And uh, when everyone's lively and everyone's feeling kind of... I'm sure you've all run half a marathon to run off that turkey and, um, and uh, everything else this morning. Um, if you're a child and you get a bit bored of hearing my voice, then I don't blame you. My son tells me that all the time. And um, there was actually a worksheet, just like a colouring sheet and that kind of stuff, just at the back of the auditorium. And uh, you're welcome to go, parents, you're welcome to go and grab a worksheet and do some colouring in. There's no children's work this morning. And indeed, if you're an adult and you get bored, why don't you make your way at the back? Pick up a colouring pencil and um, and do a bit of colouring in and creativity uh, this fine um, morning on the 30th. So... What are we are going to do to start with? I thought it would be a, a, a lively way of starting it. And um, it's to do a bit of a science experiment. Is that OK? Are you up for that? I tried this in my kitchen uh, the other day. A window nearly got broken. But um, that's OK. That's all right. So um, I'm not going to tell you what I'm going to do yet. In a moment, we're going to make a rocket that's okay. And um, I won't do it, I'll do a polite rocket so that no health and safety violations are, um, are caused or, or anything like that. There's a way of doing this that fires a bigger bit up in the air, but I'm going to do it in a way that it fires a smaller bit up in the air. All right? I've got to go to Beck's Hill after this, so if this piece of plastic lands anywhere near you or on you, then please return it to its grateful owner, because I've got to do this in about half an hour somewhere else as well. So um, watch out for uh, There might be a little pop, okay? Hopefully there won't be an explosion or a bang. And, um, and watch this little bit of plastic hopefully fly into the air. Are we ready? I can feel the excitement in the room. Okay, just come on. I know Christmas has been exciting. This is just going to add to it. It's going to be the cherry on the cake. Are you ready? It might take up, the things you do to take up time in a preach, unbelievable, come on, come on, it will go in a minute, it will go. It will go, hey, so, thank you very much, I'll sit back down, so what just happened is, I put an Alka-Seltzer in a tiny teaspoonful of water in a 35 millimeter camera film case, and what happens is the gas buildup, that, that creates that creates energy in it, and it pops the lid. You can do it the other way around, and the big bit actually flies up into the air, and it goes really well. Why have I done that? I have no idea. Why have I done that? There is a reason why I've done that. Isn't it amazing Now, sometimes, the smallest half piece of tablet that big, when dropped into, inside something, you put a lid on it, and the amount of energy that builds up, and it causes the lid to just blow off. Now, I don't know about you, sometimes when someone can say something to us, it's like an Alka-Seltzer drops into who we are, and it bubbles away, and it keeps bubbling, and it keeps bubbling, until you just blow your top. I don't know if I'm the only one in the room that experiences that kind of thing. I'm happy to admit that there are plenty of times when sometimes something's said, and it just bubbles away inside, And you get that sense of, (laughs) you feel disgruntled, you feel hard done by, you feel like someone said something that's not very nice. It bubbles away and all you just want to do is just blow your top and let the whole world know how unjust it is and that you're the one that's all okay. And um, what we're going to do this morning is, we're kind of going to talk about that, but it points to something else. That will make sense as we go along. We're going to look at a great book of the Bible, all right, it's a letter of the Bible, all right, and it's called the Letter to Philemon. Often something that's overlooked, but I absolutely love it. It's practical, it's brilliant, it's a skillfully written letter by someone called Paul. Okay, And what we're going to do, we're going to kind of unpack it, we're going to look at it, and um, I'm not going to thoroughly divulge in it or anything like that. We're going to skim over the story, and um, because there's a reason why I want to do that. So, Philemon, this is a book that was written... To Philumen, who was actually a house church overseer, so he oversaw a church that met in his house, and um, and he lived in a place called uh, Colossae. Colosse. Anyone want to add any further insights into how you might pronounce that? Colossae. Okay, and it was delivered by two people. One of these people was called Titius, who was a very small man, and um, Titius. And okay, and uh, the other guy was called Onesimus. Because Paul himself was old and actually in chains at this point. So you've got Paul, he was in prison, he writes a letter, and, um, and uh, this is what's happened. I need quickly two volunteers, daughter, Maddie, would you mind coming up? And, um, and Jess Loom, would you mind coming up? Here's what I'm going to do, I'm going to try my best to, um, to kind of describe what's going on. You can be called Philemon, funny enough, and you can be called Onesimus, if you wouldn't mind going over to here. So here's kind of how the story plays out. To start with, actually, you two need to be together. It's a good start. (laughs) To start with, you have these two lovely people who are actually living together. This is Philemon, and Philemon owned a slave, and the slave was called Onesimus. And so these two, um, this was your master, Maddy, and um, a very kind, loving, careful master. But somewhere along the line, something happened. And um, Onesimus actually stole money and did a runner. Ooh. <laughs> Do you know what? I went to the Yes, yesterday. You guys will be brilliant at it. And um, this is a true story, obviously. Philemon, a household owner, owned a slave called Onesimus. Onesimus steals money and runs. That kind of crime is punishable by death under Roman law. So now Onesimus is a wanted person on the run. Philemon... At some point, becomes a Christian. I will be the Apostle Paul um, under my ministry, okay? And um, I'm in change for the gospel, this kind of stuff. Somehow, somewhere along the line, while Onesimus is on the run, Onesimus comes across my path, hears the gospel, and becomes a Christian. Hello, Onesimus. We're running out of course. Would you like to come? Yes, I would. And would you like to be a Christian? Yes, I would. So, um, Onesimus becomes a Christian along the way. Here's the problem. This is why the book of Philemon is such an amazingly, brilliantly awkward, real life situation. Here's what's going on. I'm Paul. At this point, I'm in chains for the gospel. I am actually harboring a criminal. I know that this person is a criminal. They have become a Christian under my ministry. I know the story that Onesimus um, has stolen money from Philemon. The thing is, I also know Philemon. I know that Philemon has become a Christian under my ministry and is a house church leader. So as a person stuck in the middle, what do I do? What do I do? It's a brilliantly awkward situation. Here's what I do. I write the book of, uh, a letter to Philemon. I give the letter to the person that is involved in this struggle. The situation that might have caused a bit of a blowing of a top. Who knows how these two are feeling? But I write a letter, I know the situation, I give it to Onesimus, and I send it with Onesimus, with a very small man called Titius, over to Philemon. That's the letter that you will find in the book of the Bible, Philemon. That's the background to what it's all about. Here's the thing. Where are we? What we're going to talk about this morning is the importance of one another. The importance of one another. Somewhere, Paul sends Onesimus back to Philemon because he knows that one another is important. It's the story of a letter. It's the story of three men, and it's the story of an incredibly awkward situation. Put your hands up if you've been involved in awkward situations before, that involve relationship, that involve kind of like you've just blown your top, or someone's blown the top, and there's just something between you now, and that kind of stuff. be surprised if most of us in the room wasn't involved in this. This is how practical the Bible is. This is how it speaks to us today. You're right there, girls. Here's what's going to happen. Paul sends Onesimus to Philemon with a letter of reconciliation. Onesimus willingly, willingly goes back to Philemon. And he has to swallow his fear and he has to seek forgiveness. And then you've got Philemon. Philemon has to overcome a whole load of pride, a whole load of pride. And allow that forgiveness, and offer that forgiveness to happen. Do you get that story? Okay. So Paul skillfully writes the most persuasive letter, and fills it with so much richness and truth of why reconciliation has to take place. Let's give a round of applause to Onesimus and Philemon. So, I I like to ask questions. I like to ask a lot of questions. This is a story about reconciliation. Okay, it's a story about a letter, this kind of stuff, the stuff that I've already been through. But is that it? Is that it? In church, we hear a lot about forgiveness, the forgiveness of God, and the gospel is a, a message of forgiveness. But is that it? Is it simply a message of forgiveness? Or does that that forgiveness open the door to something else? So my question is, why? My question is, why does Paul put Onesimus in such an awkward position? And why does Onesimus willingly go over to the person that he's stolen money from, that could possibly throw him to the Romans and and have him killed or whatever, and and he gets whatever that leads to? Why is there such a willingness for this to happen? It's because there's a deeper theological reason, and this is the bit that I want to get to this morning. There's a deeper theological reason why Onesimus does it, why Paul asks him to do it. Probably why Philemon, in the long run, accepts this um, apology and forgiveness is offered. There's a deeper word, and that word is called koinonia. Koinonia, which is maybe a word that you've heard... I was speaking to my dad about this yesterday, and he was like, oh, I haven't had that word in a long time. And I was like, yeah, maybe, maybe this is something, another word that's uh, good to dig up. It might be something you've heard about in the past, but we're going to explain a bit about what it means. Koinonia is a Greek word meaning fellowship. It's a Greek word meaning sharing in common. It's a Greek word meaning communion. It's a Greek word meaning community. And it's not the kind of word that offers kind of forgiveness and just says, oh yeah, let bygones be bygones, it's all right. Forgiveness has taken place, we'll just go our separate ways. And it kind of like, we know we've got a bit of a grudge, but we kind of forgive each other. No, it's not about letting bygones be bygones. Koinonia is is a massively deep sense of accepting each other of one-anothering, that idea of one-another, living life out together, and what that means in the body of Christ, what it means in the church. It's a key part of who we are. I want to offer you to kind of quickly take a look around you this morning. Have a look. Have a look. There'll be familiar faces. There'll be faces that you don't recognize if this is your first morning here, it's probably really awkward that all these people are staring at you right now. They're not all staring at you. Don't worry. If they are, it's a bit weird, but hopefully they're not. The people around you, the people that you share life with, this is the best we've got, and it's. A, I don't mean that's. I've that's, that's said really. Don't. That is. I'm gonna. I'm gonna re- rein that back in. What I mean by that is. God's purpose on this earth in local church is this takes place. There's a deep sense of together. There's a deep sense of working stuff out. There's a deep sense of meeting up. And that is so important, so important, that Paul puts Onesimus in the most awkward position because he wants reconciliation to take place so that together, one another in can happen. A powerful example of koinonia is that phrase, one another. And you will see it time and time again in the Bible. In Romans 12.10, be devoted to one another. Honour one another. Live in harmony. Accept one another. Guys, accept one another. Serve one another. In love, be kind and compassionate to one another. Admonish one another. There's a good word. Admonish one another. Encourage one another. Spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Hebrews 10.24. I love that bit in Hebrews. Spur one another on towards love and towards good deeds. 1 Peter 1, 22. love one another, love one another, all these things sum up the idea, the theological feeling of the body of Christ, this koinonia, this communion, this living life out together, and so the book of Philemon, at it's deeper sense, you've got a level of reconciliation that needs to take place, but why, why do we need reconciliation, Is it just because of reconciliation's sake? No. It's so that things are put right so that we can be in good, right relationship with each other. So that koinonia exists. So that the body of Christ works. And it works well. It's a place of love and acceptance. It's a place where one another exists. In Paul's letter to Philemon, there's a bit near near the side. it's not a long letter at all. We read that Paul prays for Philemon's partnership. There's a partnership going on between him and Paul. And Paul brings him back to that. talks about partnership with him in the faith. And that that partnership will be really effective. That idea of partnership, that idea of doing this stuff together. So this letter to Philemon, purposely sent with a willing Onesimus, was always that partnership and koinonia would exist. And that's maintained through reconciliation. So let me round up. That's what I've just said. (laughs) Let me round up. I want to take this opportunity, if I can, to just say three things, okay? Out of the idea of reconciliation being important, but reconciliation is more important because of what it leads to. It leads to us being right with each other. It leads to church, King's Church, across all its venues, flowing and working healthy and well, and this kind of stuff. It's not about being professionally run. It's not about everything being perfect. It's about one another. It's about being together and it's about that flowing well that working right because we're the body of Christ I want to take time to say three things the first thing is I want to say this is from me and I'm sure it's from other people we're going to get a chance to do this this is from me I want to say a huge thank you to everyone that makes King's Church happen Because without everyone, one another in and getting involved, we wouldn't be sitting on the chairs that we're sitting on. You wouldn't have got the amazing welcome that you had at the door. You wouldn't get the cups of tea, actually. If we didn't have tea at the end, I guarantee you that conversations would be so much more awkward. They would. There's something about grabbing a cup of tea and having a chat with someone. Genuinely. I want to say a massive thank you to the catering team, to the refreshments guys that turn up. Thank you to the guys that set out the chairs week on week. It means a lot. Thank you to the guys that are unwelcome. Thank you to the guys that do the kids' work. Do you know what? If you're sitting here and you're not on a team, thank you for the times where you sat with someone on a Sunday morning and just encouraged them. Thank you for all of the one anothering that everyone in the room does. I'm, I mean that genuinely. Because without that, what would it be? What would it be? You take the life out of who we are as a church. That one anothering, that sense of community is so, so important. So the first thing I wanted to say was tar. Thank you. Thank you for making me and my... It's said tenuously, I, I did well with that. But thank you for making my family and me be it just feel so welcome. And um, it means a lot to be part of this church. I want to say thank you for that. Second bit I want to say is to kind of stand with those people that have won something over the past year. Those people that have maintained reconciliation. You've chosen to forgive someone. You've chosen to put relationship with someone as more important than holding a grudge against them. Does that make sense? This idea of reconciliation. We've kind of all been there, I've been there, I've done it. And when I look back at those times, for me, I see it as a win. Because something negative hasn't won, and something right and true has come through. And I've stood my ground, and I've made some choices, and I've walked in the way that Jesus has taught me to walk, and it's worked out. I see these things as wins. So I want to stand with you. If you've won one of them this year, or a few of them, if you've won one of them with me, thank you very much. (laughs) Okay? And um, so thank you, well done for that win. And the last thing is just to say go, keep doing it. When 2019 hits in a couple of days' time when we get a new year and all this kind of stuff, this isn't a New Year's resolution talk, this is a, guys, let's keep doing what we've been doing. Keep building, keep going, we're looking at a year and mission and this kind of stuff. Keep reconciliation at his heart, but even deeper than that, let's keep one another in, supporting, backing each other up, one another towards love and good deeds, all the kind of stuff that we've just read about. It's important. It's important enough for a small letter to be put in the Bible to be saying, Church, read this, get the heart of it, see how practical it is. Practical, hugely practical. So as a roundup, here's what we're going to do. For just a bit of time, I'm going to head off to Bexhill. Just a bit of time, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a bit of music on in a minute. I want to invite everyone to stand. If any of the kids at the back have drawn anything as a thank you, that have kind of thought, you know what? I want to say thank you to someone in the church. Maybe you as a parent might want to read that and take it to the person and say thank you. But to all of us, I want to encourage us to stand up, look around, find someone that you would love to say thank you to because they've done something or, or you've, they've been, you've been welcomed well or they've stood by you in, in thick and thin over the past year or something like that. You get what I mean? This sense of one another in, this sense of saying thank you, I appreciate the fact that you're in this church with me and you, the church wouldn't be the same if you weren't in it. So, here's what we're going to do for the next three or four minutes. Sam then's going to come around round us up in a bit, Going to get some music on, everyone's going to stand, guys, mingle, okay, mingle, go and say thank you to someone, go and encourage someone with a great big, do you know what, I appreciate who you are, I appreciate just you being here, it's a massive thing, and have a great new year, I'm going to leave Sam to round up, and I'm going to shoot off to Beck's Hill, go for it.